0: The Twitter was filled with suggestions that the next moderator is going to have to be able to turn off the microphone for two minutes of the uh, speaker whose turn it is to listen, because it's the only way for that to happen. And of course, Donald Trump being the biggest violator of that. Now these rules have all been agreed to by both parties. Uh, as we all know, there's a very intense negotiation about the rules. And so turning off the microphones is something the Presidential Debate Commission is not allowed to do without the agreement of both parties, the Trump side will never agree to that because that's his entire debate strategy, is to speak while Joe Biden is speaking. There is no other debate strategy, you know, if we can call it a debate strategy.
1: What the hell is that? Hey, Stone on Air, if you are not listening to Brian Stone, who has been a fixture in Chattanooga for years, you better be, or I'm going to ask you personally why you're not.
2: I'm so. Happy I could die. like, Brian! Yeah, <laughs> Brian!
3: <laughs> yes, my name is Brian. Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanoogan. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years. Mic drop, turn off the podcast. Stone on air. Yeah, just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposedly for-profit venture Known as the Stone I'm so on Air Podcast. A day and a dollar late again this week. I told you that was going to happen last week. I already knew that. or planned it that way. Had a lot going on Tuesday. Getting ready for the radio show and going down the road of the shit show that was the debate. And uh, boy, I didn't know what to expect except for chaos. I and mean, that's... That's what we got. Um, I'm going to have a show today, full of audio, audio everywhere, just firing off left and right. Um, I don't know if you guys like that or not. Um, I love it. I have fun with it. It's um, it's a it's 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 weird because it's a lot of hard hard work, like just time intensive. But it makes the show itself when I go to you know hit go like I'm doing right now. It makes it so, so easy, and the stress just melts away. When I sit down and it's just me just flying solo for the hour with maybe just a, a, a audio bit or two, it just feels like, I don't know, I, I get overwhelmed with the thought, I don't, I don't think I can actually pull this off again. How many times can I do this is the way I kind of talk myself, you know, self, self-deprecation, self I guess. And um, But when I put all the time in and put all this audio out there it freeing and it's it's kind of liberating it makes me feel good it makes me excited to do the show so i but i don't know maybe maybe everybody doesn't like it as much as i do it's a it's an experiment it's still a four and a half or however long year experiment the stone on air podcast a lot of the stuff i've used on the radio station too as well it actually works very well to kind of cross promote them over and uh, i know most people are not listening to the radio and um Most people are not listening to the podcast either, but you kind of splice them together. Sometimes that that can be uh, a good thing and work out very well. Sometimes... Not at all. So um, I'm going to jump right into it because I think the middle segment and the final segment are going to take up a lot of time. The middle segment, I'm not going to talk about the uh, debate, who won, who lost. I'm just going to play some of the biggest bleep show moments of it. we just talking over themselves, sounding like fools. Going to spend the middle segment on that. The final segment of the show, there is a Netflix uh, doc out. You have probably heard of it by now. I think it's catching a lot of uh, a lot of attention through social media and everything else. It's called the Social Dilemma. I don't remember if I bre- mentioned it on this podcast before or not. I know we've talked about it on the radio several times. I actually introduced Jeff Styles to it, and he was usually he he, he takes my my um, advice or suggestions kind of loosely, like, yeah, I don't know. Not like he knows everything, but, you know, he'll listen to me, but a lot of times it'll be later on down the road he'll come back and say, oh, man, I, I don't know it took me so long to check that out. I'm glad you told me about that. Usually it's not immediate. And we were on the radio talking about it, and I said, Jeff, you have to watch The Social Dilemma, and you have to do it now, tonight. Don't waste time. I was being a little hyper, uh, hyper hyperbolic, sorry, um, but he, he did that night. Watched it and texted me immediately. Said, "Oh my God, you're right. This has to be watched. It is about just the the consumed nature of of just the the health and mental uh, just deterioration of all ages with technology and social media and the dangers of it." So I've got it's an hour and a half doc I think, and it might, might, might be longer than that. But I've got about eight nine minutes of audio that I'm gonna play in the final segment of the show. So that's gonna take up a lot of time. So we'll move really quick here. A couple notes real fast. Bonnaroo 2021 is going to be in September now. So they're not even going to try for June. They're not going to try to book acts here in the the fall and and winter and into the new year. They're going to let this stretch out into – September. I think that's a good idea. Be a nice early, you know, it can still be very hot in early September, but I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Braves here. Sorry, uh, Mahoney, and any other baseball haters. I'm going to love on the Braves from their first round, uh, first opening game win. And uh, I was wrong about things I've talked about on this podcast involved with the uh, Major League Baseball and the Braves. I was wrong. And I'll get to that after I play the. uh, Coolest thing. I got two of those, three of those, actually, and worst idea. And I'm in the new warehouse now, over near Udawah, off Volkswagen Drive. (sighs) Happens Pike, the new exit, I still call it. I've only been off of it a handful of times just to go to the new warehouse to see as it was being constructed. And it's done, and it's nice, and it's state of the art, and it's really efficient for the job of the distribution of alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverages. But I hate it! I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate my work situation. I hate where I'm set up in the building, but it's just because I was so spoiled for such a great spot and a great gig. It's still a great gig. Still a great gig. But it's just, it is, it is a, you know, it's a parallel universe different than what I'm used to, but the job's still good. Still paying same people, good company. I love it. But I hate being out near Uluwa, I hate Lee Highway, Bonnie Oaks, uh, Appison Pike, uh, Collegedale, most of East Brainerd, Uluwa. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I hope I wasn't unclear <laughs> there. All right, so let's jump into the first batch of audio here, the coolest thing, one of the day. It is the latest from Nick Lutsko. It is gold, as always.
1: Protesters. You know what I say? Protest is your ass. I don't talk about my ass.
4: President Trump won't talk about his ass. President Trump won't talk about his ass. President Trump, we need to know. President Trump, we need to know.
1: President, probably in the history of this country. Trump, we need to
4: know. President Trump, we need to know. Trump, we need to know.
2: Trump, we need to know.
3: I've only heard it a couple of times. It still genuinely makes me laugh. The video makes it better, but the audio is just fine on its own. The second coolest thing today is Joe Biden in 1991.
0: Because the decision will affect what happens to this country long after Senator Biden is gone, long after President Bush is gone, long after President Reagan's administrations are forgotten. If Justice Souter, God willing, lives as long as the average age of the court now, he'll be making landmark decisions in the year 2020. I'll be dead and gone
3: in all probability. And so it's important. No, you won't, Joe. You won't be dead and gone. You will be running for president of the United States in the, the most bizarro land world, reality television version of the United States that you ever Could have imagined Of course he's talking about uh, Justice Souter Who was just being uh, appointed by George H.W. Bush And he retired in 2009 And uh, was replaced by Sonia Sotomayor uh, An appointment from uh, Barack Obama His first Supreme Court uh, Justice appointee And it was uh, I did a little research I'm not acting like I remember history this well I went and did some uh, Wikipedia Justice Souter was a moderate Republican conservative leaning uh justice at the time and that was when that was fashionable it was fashionable to be moderate and i bet that's probably why george h w picked a uh, a more moderate but right leaning type and then over the course of the next 2 decades this uh, justice leaned, leaned more left and uh it kind of went against what the 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 reasoning and the and the and the the motivation to to appoint that judge i don't think those kinds of things are going to happen in this day and age but that's i'm guessing he was asked as he was 70 something years old hey can you step down so we can appoint a, another woman and um, that's what happened in 2009 of course a lot a little bit of that's conjecture but it sounds about right and today's worst idea everybody's former favorite mayor speaking of back to the events of nine eleven and what uh, transpired afterwards those days are long gone. This is Rudy Giuliani on Fox and whatever the hell it is, Tuesday before the debates, and he's talking about Joe Biden.
1: The man has dementia. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I've talked to doctors. I've had them look at 100 hundred different tapes of his five years ago and today.
0: The Biden people say he's fine. Oh, he, can't,
1: he can't recite the Pledge of Allegiance, and he's fine. He's been a, uh, he's been a, he was, he was in the Senate for 160 years. I mean, he can't do the prologue to the, to the, to the, uh, to the uh, Constitution of the United States or the Declaration of Independence, any of them. He actually displays symptoms that two gerontologists told me are classic symptoms of middle-level dementia. Look, that isn't the debate. He'll, he he can get through it. I think the president is quite right to say he, maybe he's taken Adderall or, uh, a uh, some kind of attention deficit disorder. Right. Thing. And,
3: that,
0: and that's why the president wants
4: to do a drug I remember test, but, you know, when I was guidelines.
3: a young boy coming home from school and I had done really well that day and I got a big star on the, the piece of paper to be hung up on uh, the, the refrigerator, a progress report of, of sorts, where I, uh, my mother was so proud that that day I was able to recite by memory the prologue To the United States Constitution. Yes, yes, she was so, so proud of me. She called all her friends and family, and I talked to my grandparents on the phone about how I did so well that day reciting and memorizing the prologue to the United States Constitution. I I still have that piece of paper uh, documenting the day that I was able to recite the prologue of the United States Constitution. Of course, it's the preamble, but, you know, Who's keeping score here? I don't know. I'm just tired of old, crazy white people making all the decisions in the most diverse nation in the country. Jesus Christ. Old-ass white guys that can't figure out how to get a complete sentence out, and if you read their words on paper and not just listen to them. They're even more bizarre, which I'm going to do an entire segment on that one of these days. From Biden to Giuliani to Trump to whoever else, to Schumer to uh, McConnell to Graham to whoever, read the words verbatim instead of listening to them, and it's even more insane. Hopefully I'll be able to get that together and do that sooner than later. All right, so let's get to this real quick. The uh, This is the final coolest thing. Yeah, I just label it it's Braves coolest thing it's 10 seconds I saw it on um on a uh, Twitter this is from an account called uh Mansplain Baseball run by uh women that uh love baseball but primarily the Atlanta Braves after their big just exhaustive win on uh, on Wednesday Fuck
0: yes. Fuck yes. That's the fucking MVP right there. Go Braves. Happy Wednesday.
3: That's it. 10 seconds after 14. Was it 13 innings or 14? I can't even remember. One more time.
0: Fuck yes. Fuck yes. That's the fucking MVP right there. Go, Brace. Happy Wednesday.
3: And um, man, what a man and woman, what a game on. Wednesday. I'm only going to spend about three, four, five minutes on this. So if you're not into it, uh, just hit you know forward for a couple of minutes, and we'll get into the rest of the show. But anybody who's a fan of Atlanta sports understands how incredibly tense and nerve wracking that game was. It was no score into whatever the I'm I'm blanking now. It's either the 13th or 14th inning. Started at noon, ended at uh, 10 till five. It's just under a five hour game. And the Atlanta Braves have been involved in a lot of just monumentally odd record-setting weird games and virtually have lost every one of them. So it's fun to set records when you win. When you're setting bizarre world records and you lose and you do it all the time, it's very uh, (laughs) kick you right in the you-know-what. And it's not just the Braves, it's the Falcons. It's the Georgia Bulldogs. It is even, if you want to dig down, there's some Hawks games. And there. Atlanta is used to setting bizarre records and losing 28 to 3 Falcons. Think of the last two games, the last, you know, this season. I'm not a Falcons fan, but I mean I, I feel the pain. And I mentioned earlier in the beginning of the podcast that I said that I, I was wrong when I said, don't play the season. I don't, I don't even care. Like, I don't even want to watch this in front of nobody. 60 games, that's stupid. I don't want to do it. That's dumb. I, You know, forget it. Just just go home. We'll do it again next year. I won't care. won't matter to me if we go to the playoffs. It won't mean anything. I'll have an asterisk. I don't want to win a World Series. Wrong, 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 wrong. That game yesterday, watching it at work, I have my Hulu on my screen. Luckily, they're cool and let me do it. I was pacing and as nervous as any Ball game I have ever watched, from the uh, the Astros' uh, eighteen inning game in two thousand uh, five, I believe the two thousand ten series, the two thousand twelve wild card game, the two thousand thirteen Dodgers series, the two thousand twenty or two thousand eighteen Dodgers series. So many games. That have come, that have a, the ten run game in the first inning last year. So many times we're playing these bizarre games that nobody's ever done. That sets all these records, and we lose every one of them. And this was a incredibly fast paced pitching duel between um, Bauer, uh, Trevor Bauer from the the Reds, who is incredible, and Max Freed, who is our guy. is pretty good. He's real close to really good. And then we have a great bullpen, but nobody could get any hits. And it just was, it was, it was just one inning to the next. So we got my text threads going. I'm 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 damn near hyperventilating. I was wrong. This matters. Maybe I'm just searching so hard to find something to hold on to and grip and have something have meaning. The whole time I'm just sitting there thinking for nearly five hours, I'm going through this again. And we're gonna lose again. And finally, in the bottom of the fourteenth or thirteenth, whichever one it was, get a couple runners on, and the MVP of the league—at least he better be—Freddie Freeman delivers the hit, and we win one to nothing. And I listened to all the post-game for hours afterwards. A callers calling and saying the same thing. I am finally, finally, we get to—we go through this and we get to celebrate. Finally, the other team is in misery and it's not us. And uh, I just didn't think it was possible to be that emotionally invested in a season like this in a year like this. And I needed it. I needed it so bad. I needed to have something to get excited for. I needed to be nervous. I needed anxiety. And then I needed that anxiety relieved without drugs and alcohol I needed it relieved with results. And finally, and especially after we, most all of us who've gone through this spend the entire day just thinking, I know what's going to happen. I've been here before. I've seen this movie. This is a rerun. This sucks. I hate this. Oh my God, we won. Oh my God, we won. I say 2020 sucks and it seems like bad news comes from every angle. <sighs> so I text my brother. X fucking hail. <laughs> I needed that. I needed that. So by the time you hear this podcast, they will have played game two probably. Unless you're like, you know, I don't know, maybe a majority of the listeners when I mean, you listen first thing on a Thursday morning, but likely not. Just got to win this series and keep going. Just got to win and keep on going. Alright, so Continue the uh, the audio parade next. No major commentary on the debates, just clips from what was the shit show of the first presidential debate just the other night on Tuesday night. This is the Stone On Air podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Sorry to be a day late, and I'll be right back.
2: More of Stone On Air coming up.
3: I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Did you
1: use the word Smart. Uh, so you said you went to Delaware State, but you forgot the name of your college. You didn't <laughs> go to Delaware State. You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. Don't ever use the word smart with me. Don't ever use that word. Oh, give me a because break. Because you then. know what? Uh, there's nothing smart about you, Joe. 47 years, you've done nothing. Let's have this debate. And if we'll you would we'll have sh- had, let me just tell you something, Joe. Well, he's just shush for a minute.
0: Tell it to the, Nancy the, Pelosi and Schumer, Chuck. By Ryan the way, Chuck. Nancy Pelosi and Schumer, they have a plan. He won't even meet with them. The Republicans won't meet with the okay. Senate. But and he, and he, sits, he sits on his golf course. And, I mean, nah. literally, okay. think about it. You, you probably play more than it. I do, Joe.
2: I can't sing like crazy old man Singing my own songs the best I can Singing my own songs Singing best I can I can't sing like a crazy old man
3: So as you I can't
2: sing like a crazy old man. likely
3: already know, I often try to mix music in with the show and that has some kind of relevance. And often I'll go to Google and just put in whatever the subject matter of the day is going to be. Like, uh, subject matter is... Supreme Court, I'll Google songs about court, songs about law, songs about lawyers, stuff like that. You know, if you put in law, you're going to get, I fight the law and the law won, stuff like that, Um, lawyers, guns, and money. And in this case, I put in songs about crazy old men. And the first thing that came up was a guy named, he's got a lot of continents in his name. Uh, Carnell, I think is how it's spelled, but it's got or how it's pronounced, but it's got two R's and two N's. But it looks like it's Carnell Swats Swatsk- Swatsky, Soski. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's Polish or German or, or Czech. Czechos- how the? F- you see what I'm trying to say? <laughs> it's late on a on a Wednesday. Sorry. Anyway, he's got like 49 subscribers on YouTube. This is a professionally shot uh, video and song and it's pretty cool sounding, but he's really basically nobody. Crazy Old Man or Man is the name of that song. I won't spend too much time building this up. I'm just going to play six cuts and five of them which I captured on my own, dug through all the audio and uh, cut them up myself. So I uh speaking when I talked about the beginning of the show that this is a lot of work, time intensive. It's not hard, it just takes a long time. And the lowlights from this clown show on Tuesday, I think, deserve one more quick listen. My um, only thoughts going into it before I start firing off the audio is that America very much is an experiment. What's going on with this democracy isn't guaranteed to go on for forever. I I have a lot of confidence that it probably will But in the grand scheme of the history of this, you know, ball of uh, uh, that we call Earth that's been flying around the sun for millions of years, tens of thousands of years, 2,000 years, depending on what your belief system is, a long time on any scale, those are all long periods of time. I mean, we've been doing this what uh, about 250 years, right? Let's see, 1776 to 18, is 100. To 1976 is 200. To 2076 would be 300. Knock off a 20, yeah. So we're you know in the neighborhood of 250 years. It's not a very long time, and we might just just eat ourselves to death, consume ourselves to death. The the house of cards might crumble on top of each of each other if we don't um, get some kind of control. In what I believe is one of the more uh, tumultuous times of uh, of American history, it's, it's it's not necessarily near exactly the top, but it, I think the history books for the first three hundred years, two hundred fifty to three hundred years of the of the history of this country will show that this is one of the um, the more concerning timeframes because of just the absolute unpredictable, but then often very predictable nature of uh, of what's going on here and the dangerous kind of setting that we're in. So that's all I'll say about that, and from now on, going the rest of the way forward, just going to play just dipshit clips from the uh, the debate on Tuesday night. The topic was health care, and of course, it never really goes to whatever the topic is supposed to be. Let me turn that up right there, and the first clip here on the second segment of the Stone on Air podcast.
1: 100 million people is totally wrong. I don't know where you got that number. The bigger problem that you have is that you're going to extinguish 180 million people with their private health care, that they're very That's happy That's simply with. not true. Well, you're, you know, going, that, to socialist. But, you're going to socialists. You're going to socialist this is,
0: We're now into, gentlemen, we're now into open discussion. Open discussion. Open discussion. Open discussion. Yes, I agree. They can they do. They will under my proposal. It's not what you've said, but and it's not what your is, party has said. That is simply. The party lie. doesn't say it. Your party that wants to go socialist. My party is and me. socialist right now. I am the Democratic And they're going to dominate party. you, Joe. You know that. I am the Democratic Party right now. The platform of the not Democratic Party Harris. is what I, in fact, approved of. What I approved of.
3: Joe might be the last of a dying breed of the modern day era of. The Democratic Party, he very well might be if he doesn't win this election, the Democratic Party is going to take a completely different uh, left turn, right turn, uh, U turn. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like, but he is the last of the moderate Democratic Party, even if he does win this election. He's still probably the last of that breed. As he said, I am the Democratic Party. Not for much longer, but maybe for a little bit longer. We'll see. Continues on, more health care, not health care, more interruptions. And now Trump seems to be debating the moderator, which is Chris Wallace.
0: Over uh, the last four years, you have promised to repeal and replace Obamacare, but you have never in these four years come up with a plan a comprehensive plan to I replace have. Obamacare. Of course, I have. I, I got rid an of the individual mean, and I finish, mandate. Give you an excuse me. I got when rid I, of the individual
1: mandate, which was a big chunk of Obamacare. That is absolutely a big thing. That was that, the worst I, I part ask of Obamacare. Him, sir, Chris, You're that was the worst him, part me. of Obamacare. Well, I'll, I'll ask Joe. I, 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 the individual mandate was the most unpopular aspect of Obamacare. I got rid of it.
3: And we will protect people of this debate. Oh, my God. Would you shut the bleep up? On the third cut here, I just labeled it Joe and Trump. I don't even remember what that means. We'll find out together.
0: The vast majority of the American people would still not be in that option, number one. Joe, you agreed with Bernie number, Sanders, as far did, left, on the manifesto we, we call new, it, well, it manifests- and that gives you
1: socialized medicine.
0: Look, hey, Are I, you I, saying I'm not going to listen agree? to him. The fact of the matter is, I beat Bernie Sanders. Not by I'm, much. I, I beat him a whole hell of a lot. I'm not here, I'm much. here, standing facing Pocahuntas you all. Pocahontas would have left well, two days early. You, you would
1: have lost every primary. All he knows how to on do Super is hurt Tuesday. You got Look, very lucky. Here's the deal.
0: I got very lucky. I'm mean, going to get very lucky tonight as well. And tonight I'm going With to make lie. sure because With here's what? the deal. The fact is that
3: everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. Uh, Joe, I mean, he is, he's to me. I mean, you, if you listen regularly, you know, I, I, I love the man. I, I don't think he's the best option for president overall. I mean, he's the best option that's left as far as I'm concerned. He's 77. He'll be 78 next year, two aneurysms and has a, uh, had, had to fight off a stuttering issue as a young person and he's had 47 years in the limelight. The guy is beat the F down and he's still holding his own pretty good. I mean, Trump is just a different machine. He's a different animal. He's a different thing. And no, is, is, is Biden out there killing it? No, 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 he absolutely isn't. But he's not looking like a fool, at least So far, anyway, there's still plenty of time for that to change. Let's see. On the fourth cut here, it says, oh, I just labeled it Trump calls Joe dumb. Joe calls Trump a liar.
0: I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. But you I just agree. want to wait, make wait, 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 sure. I, 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 I want to make you sure. You ordered last in your class, not first in your class. I want to make the sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? He doesn't know yes, how yeah. to do that. He has. You'd be you know, surprised. You, you picked the ahead, wrong guy, the wrong, wrong night you know. at the wrong time. Listen, you agreed with Bernie Sanders for the but whole idea. Let him There is no manifesto, number one. Please let him speak, Mr. President. Number two. You just lost the left. Number two. You just lost Lost the left. You agreed
1: with Bernie Sanders on a plan. How, uh, folks that's absolutely agree an what this is. They call it Mr. Mr. Hav- socialized medicine. I a, I tell you
3: what. Oops, sorry. I, I thought that was a great uh line. Do you have any idea what this clown is doing? And we were talking about it on uh Fred the Show on New uh, Nuga Radio 92.7 on Wednesday, the following morning after it, and Jeff didn't like Jeff Styles, a uh, Local talk show host here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Longtime heritage uh, talker for uh, over twenty five years. In case you happen to be one of the thousands of people outside of the city of Chattanooga that listen, um, he was he was disappointed in Joe going in some of the 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 roads where he would say he's a clown, uh, you're a liar. What do you can you see what this guy's doing? He can't. You know, he was kind of there were kind of low like middle low jabs. I thought they were great. I, think, I don't think you need a stoop it's not the you know they go low we go high they go low we go middle ground. I would love there just to be kind of like hey are y'all are we all in the same room are, are these cameras shooting the same thing? is this is this microphone on? can we all see and hear what this this <laughs> buffoon is doing next topic next question what else you got I wouldn't mind some more of that but I, I guess to a traditionalist, That would not be the way to go. But we are not in a traditional election campaign. and certainly not a traditional presidential debate. I have two more for you. This is the last one I put together for you. And then I got one mashup from the cable news networks. This is uh, the topic is supposed to be the Supreme Court. Let's see. I need track five. Sorry, where is it? There it is. You're in voting now. Vote and let your senators know how you
0: strongly you feel. Court? Let vote now are you going to pack the Make court? sure you in fact let people know Your are Senator I'm not going to answer the question Why because you answer that because question? the question is, the question, Supreme Supreme is Justice, the, radical the question radical left. Will shut who is left you is, listen? Who is
1: on your list, Joe? This Who's is on your so
0: list, right. Gentlemen, this is, I think this we've is ended so unprecedented. We're not no, no. going to give a list. We have ended this segment. We're going to move on to the second segment. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> yes. I lo- Would you shut up, man? And uh, that was a really productive segment, wasn't it? The few little lines Joe got in there um were pretty good. Trump dominated the night. Obviously, he—that's what he does. He's a reality television star. He's a center of attention. He's good at what he does, and his uh, rebel rousing uh, fan base, the MAGA types, M A G A types, eat it up, and they absolutely love it. And um, that's the opposite on the other side with the Democrats. That the, Joe is not the rallying to the uh, to the radicals, to the to the super base, to the to the people. Who um who really generally don't want to be president anyway. Like as I mentioned, the Democratic Party is falling apart at the seams. But many of them are getting scared, just scared enough to know that, you know, they'll say it through the primaries and they'll say it on their Twitter and they'll say it on their Facebook and they'll scream out loud, I I won't do this. I'm never gonna vote for this guy. I'll vote third. Oh, Jesus, it's getting close. Uh, okay, I'll go ahead and vote for him now. Because that's what most dumb assholes walking around. Do The final clip I have is a a mashup that I found from a couple different cable news networks. It's about a minute long.
0: This This is the same man who told you by Easter this would be gone away. By the warm weather, it'd be gone. Miraculous, like a miracle. And by the way, maybe you could inject some bleach in your arm and that would take care of it. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not... Add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha, and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, we'll Do it. Well, I, go would ahead, say, sir.
1: I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what are you? What if are you? you look, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call him? What do you want to call him? Give me a name. Give me a White's name. White supremacist. White supremacist. White supremacist. White boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left. I mask wear masks rallied. when needed. When needed, I wear masks. Okay, let me ask. I don't have. To, I don't wear masks like him. Every time you see him, he's got a mask. He could be speaking. 200 feet away from it, he shows up with the biggest mask I've ever seen.
3: No truth to the rumor that uh, there was your mama's so fat jokes that came after that clip from Donald Trump, who is the president of the United States of America. And that is all I have to say about that at this point. Coming up next, there is a Netflix doc called The Social Dilemma. It is I believe required viewing for all. And I have nine or ten cuts from the uh from the overall film, and it is fascinatingly terrifying. This is the Stone on Air podcast for the first day. It's the first of the month of October, 2020. Hang tight. I'll be right back. Stone on Air will be right
0: back.
2: This is cool. StoneonAir.com
0: created a world in which online connection has become primary especially for younger generations and yet in that world anytime two people connect the only way it's financed is through a sneaky third person who's paying to manipulate those two people So we've created an entire global generation of people who were raised within a context with the very meaning of communication, the very meaning of culture, is manipulation. We've put deceit and sneakiness at the absolute center of everything we do.
3: Welcome back in. The best song you do here I've used before bad religion song is called 21st century digital boy song was written recorded and released and performed initially in the mid-1990s so where technology was at that point was nowhere near clearly and obviously as to where it is now but this punk band had a good look into the future where we were going 21st century digital boy. I don't know how to read, but I got a lot of toys. My daddy's a lazy middle-class intellectual. My mommy's on Valium. Ain't life a mystery. And where we're at now is on a whole nother level of technological mental deterioration that I have been, and I'm not trying to act like I'm some kind of smart guy, but I have been asking the question, is technology making us mentally ill for at least a half decade, maybe closer to a full decade? I don't remember when the first time I said that out loud, but it, I i truly believe that technology, when it should be informing us more than ever, we have more opportunity to find the truth than ever we have everything at our at our disposal right there at our fingertips and all it does is make us more mentally sick and mentally broken down than we've ever been before it's getting me i'm 40 damn years old and i'm finding many times where i can't i can't get too long through the day without a phone i could not go to work without my phone and get through the day worth a damn i'd be sick I wouldn't feel well. I wouldn't feel right. Something would be off. And that's not new. That's ingrained into my regular life for a long time now. That's an addiction. And I, and we're all suffering from it. And that's just the be, the beginning. To really drill down to the core, to the crust of the of the middle of the world of our lives and start from there and go up. We're a mess, and it was done by design. It wasn't done by accident. And The Social Dilemma, the documentary from Netflix, really explains this. And I know there might be some like, you know, hey, those are some uh, former employees of these big, huge tech companies just with an ax to grind. I'm sure there's some of that that's truth. I, I already had such a strong feeling and belief on this to begin with that it wasn't going to take much to, um, to convince me that what's happening is not right and it's done on purpose, it's done intentionally, deliberately, and they're trying to manipulate our entire population of the, of the world, let alone just the United States of America. So I have, let's see, one, uh, this is why I can't crumple up all my papers anymore because I uh, have to keep them for later use. I have 10 clips from the documentary. All right, so let's get this thing going here. Um I'm not gonna be telling you who the voices are, where they're coming from, who they work for because I wasn't able to do that uh, that comprehensive of enough prep to give you every name throughout. So I figured the first segment I would or the first audio clip, I would just give you the intro of how many different people introducing themselves and what tech companies they used to work for, and what mostly prominent roles that they uh, had with those companies
4: i worked at facebook in 2011 and 2012 i was one of the really early employees at instagram i worked at uh, google uh, youtube apple google twitter palm i helped start mozilla labs and then switched over to the firefox side i worked at twitter my last job there was the senior vice president of engineering i was the president of pinterest before that um I was the the director of monetization at Facebook for five years. While at Twitter, I spent a number of years running their developer platform, and then became head of consumer product. I was the co-inventor of Google Drive, Gmail Chat, Facebook Pages, and the Facebook Like
3: button. Okay, so the last guy there uh, was involved with with, uh, uh, producing and uh, creating Google Drive and Google Chat, I think he said something else, and the Facebook Like button. And if you want to do the research and find out if these people know what they're talking about or if it's, uh, you know, where the sources are, you're on your own. Let's see. So um, one of them starts talking about, well, at first we thought this was really good, a really amazing technology that could be for good. Now they're not so sure.
4: When I was there, I always felt like fundamentally it was a force for good. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. I left Google in June 2017 uh, due to ethical concerns, And, and not just at Google, but within the industry at large. I'm very concerned. It's easy today to lose sight of the fact that these tools actually have created some wonderful things in the world. They've reunited lost family members. They've found organ donors. I mean, there were meaningful systemic changes happening around the world because of these platforms that were positive. I think we were naive about the flip side of that coin.
3: I remember when MySpace first hit uh, before Facebook took off, and it was a way to connect with long-lost friends from uh, the college, quote-unquote, college days. I didn't go to college, but I hung out with college people while they went to college. Those kinds of things. And it's real. And uh, there was a lot of good to come from it, and eventually there would be a lot bad to come from it. This is a compilation of reports from The Social Dilemma, A documentary from Netflix of how technology is, in fact, making us mentally ill.
0: Despite facing mounting criticism, the so called big tech names are getting bigger. The entire tech industry is under
4: a new level of scrutiny. And a new study sheds light on the link between mental health and social media use. Here to talk about the latest
2: research that's going
4: on that gets no coverage at all. Tens of millions of Americans are hopelessly addicted to
0: their electronic devices exacerbated by the fact that you can literally isolate yourself now in a bubble thanks to our technology. Fake news is becoming more advanced and threatening societies around the world. We weren't expecting any of this when we created Twitter over 12 years ago.
3: People say that they have no reason to believe the Russian cyber attacks will stop.
2: YouTube is being forced to concentrate on cleansing the site. TikTok, if you talk to any tween out there, there's no chance they'll believe this.
3: Oh hell no! There's no chance this adult here is going to delete his TikTok either. Um, there was at least one prominent name, or somewhat prominent anyway, uh, that recognize in Silicon Valley that recognized that there was a problem, and he made a report and he did some exhaustive studies on it, took it to his bosses, and uh, to try to try to make a difference and maybe a different direction of how the companies, these tech companies, are going to work. And of course, well. It got uh, basically buried.
0: Tristan Harris is a former design ethicist for Google and has been called the closest thing Silicon Valley has to a conscience.
1: He's asking the tech industry to bring what he calls
4: ethical design to its products. It's rare for a tech insider to be so blunt that Tristan Harris believes someone needs to be. When I was at Google, I was on the Gmail team and I just started getting burnt out because we'd had so many conversations about, you know, what the inbox should look like and you know, what color it should be. And and I, you know, felt personally addicted to email. And that I found it fascinating. That there was no one at Gmail working on making it less addictive. And I was like, is anybody else thinking about this? I haven't heard anybody talk about this. And I was feeling this this frustration with the tech industry overall that we now, kind of, like, lost our way.
3: I'm sorry. Now, maybe a dude is just pissed off because he didn't get his you know, um, design chosen for the way Gmail was going to be laid out, so therefore he decided to make up this whole thing. That's very possible. It's, it's very likely, but I think still worth listening to. Silicon Valley for many, many years, I don't know how far back it would be. 20 years ago is when it probably shifted. Maybe 30 years ago it shifted its overall uh, marketplace view. But they used to be a hardware company, software, products. Well, now, over the course of at least the 21st century, for sure, there's a new product. So I've been an investor in technology for 35 years. The first 50 years of Silicon Valley, the industry made products, hardware, software, sold them to customers, nice, simple business. For the last 10 years, the biggest companies in Silicon Valley have been in the business of
4: selling their users. It's a little even trite to say now, but because we don't pay for the products that we use, advertisers pay for the products that we use. Advertisers are the customers. We're the thing being sold. The classic saying is, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product.
3: If you're not paying for the product, then you are the product is an interesting uh, saying, as uh, that dude just said. Google is not just a search engine. And Facebook is not just a place that you connect with family and friends.
4: A lot of people think, you know, oh, well, Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing and see their photos. But what they don't realize is they're competing for your attention. So, you know, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, companies like this, their business model is to keep people engaged on the screen. Let's figure out how to get as much of this person's attention as we possibly can. How much time can we get you to spend? How much of your life can we get you to give to us?
3: And the answer to that is a majority, a large percentage stake majority of our lives, we are all giving to them. And so many people are getting extremely rich off of uh, of this model it's working because it's a dream business model but you have to have a lot of data and what are human futures
2: this is what every business has always dreamt of to have a guarantee that if it places an ad it will be successful that's their business they sell certainty In order to be successful in that business, you have to have great predictions. Great predictions begin with one imperative. You need a lot of data.
4: Many people call this surveillance capitalism. Capitalism profiting off of the infinite tracking of everywhere everyone goes by large technology companies whose business model is to make sure that advertisers are as successful as possible.
2: This is a new kind of marketplace now. It's a marketplace that never existed before. And it's a marketplace that trades exclusively in human futures. Just like there are markets that trade in pork belly futures or oil futures, we now have markets that trade in human futures at scale. And those markets have produced the trillions of dollars that have made the Internet companies the richest companies in the history of humanity.
3: Surveillance capitalism makes so much sense to me because that's exactly what it is. And trading in human futures sounds like some kind of bad movie made in the 1980s about the future. Uh, let's see. Only three more left to go here. A lot of times when we talk about people on the internet who get duped, you know, things that uh, viruses and and any kind of hacks and any of those things, we think about dumb people, right? We think about people who are just so uh, cannot control their childlike emotions and they can't help but click on click on these things and 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 then end up, you know, getting getting hacked or whatever. This is far more sophisticated that, than that, and it's not about hacking and manipulating the poor, the weak, and the gullible, etc. They're going after everybody. Everybody is susceptible to this kind of internet targets.
4: Doctors, lawyers, people who know how to build 747s or nuclear missiles, they don't know more about how their own mind is vulnerable. That's a separate discipline. And it's a discipline that applies to all human beings. From that perspective... You can have a very different understanding of what technology is doing. When I was at the Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab, this is what we learned. How could you use everything we know about the psychology of what persuades people and build that into technology?
3: Speaking of persuasion, this is uh, about a minute left uh, of this clip, about two and a half minutes or so of two more clips. This is about persuasive technology. This is about modifying behavior.
4: Persuasive technology is just sort of design intentionally applied to the extreme where we really want to modify someone's behavior. We want them to take this action. We want them to keep doing this with their finger. You pull down and you refresh, it's going to be a new thing at the top. Pull down and refresh again, it's new. Every single time. Which in psychology, we call a positive intermittent reinforcement. So you don't know when you're going to get it, and you don't know if you're going to get something, which operates just like the slot machines in Vegas. It's not enough that you use the product consciously. I want to dig down deeper into the brainstem and implant inside of you an unconscious habit so that you are being programmed at a deeper level. You don't even realize it. Every time you, you see it there on the counter, and you just look at it, and you know if you reach over, it just, it just might have something for you. And so you play that slot machine to see what you got, right? That's not by accident. That's a design technique.
3: And every single time you go to pick it up, it's going to, quote-unquote, have something for you, something new, something you haven't seen, or at least that's that's the goal. It might not be new, but something that is different than what you saw the last time and the endorphins and the adrenaline runs. And it's like it's like it's, it's old school, like what, 20 years ago when you got a piece of mail, you know, in your mailbox, you got excited about it. I remember I got stuff in the mail uh, whenever it was, you know, 25 years ago, maybe from a sports team I might have uh, sent a letter to or a family member, maybe, I don't know. And I'd get so excited. And my mom <laughs> my mom would regularly say, uh, Getting the mail sucks. And she didn't wear it like this exactly, but because when I go get the mail, all I get is bills. And when I would get something in the mail, I just got so excited. Same concept. Final uh, clip here, and they'll we'll wrap up the show. This is basically stuff we already know. I guess my question is, does anybody care? I don't know. What I want people to know is that
4: everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked, is being measured. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. Exactly what image you stop and look at, for how long you look at it. Oh yeah, seriously, for how long you look at it. They know when people are lonely, they know when people are depressed, they know when people are looking at photos of your ex-romantic partners, they know what you're doing late at night, they know the entire thing. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, or what kind of neuroses you have, what your personality type is like.
2: They have more information about us than has ever been imagined in human history. It is unprecedented.
3: It is the social dilemma, you'll find it on netflix i highly highly recommend it and i am tired of talking into a microphone for the night especially after a long day of regular work recording and radio and podcasting and the braves win over the reds game one of the two of three series continues today if you're listening to this on the day that this has dropped at noon. Likely you're listening to it after that, so forgive my uh, repetitiveness. That's all I got. I am done. I love you to death. Leave a review anywhere you uh, have an opportunity to do it. If you'd like, uh, like, share, love, receive, blah, 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 blah. That's all I got. Love you. Talk to you again next week. See you later. Bye.